They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Hello, and welcome to my fifth podcast. Last week, we were in Israel, where we met Ephraim and his Palestinian friend, Amir, who went all the way to the White House to talk to the then President Obama. Well, kids, this week, the story is equally as powerful as we head off to Amritsar, the home of the Sikh Golden Temple. Here, we meet Priya, my blind Indian girl, with her friend Nita. They are street kids who live in one of the many orphanages dotted all over India, surviving the harsh life of the streets, selling their embroidered tapestry pieces of the Sikh Golden Temple, which they have delicately woven to the pilgrims and tourists that flock to the temple. Life is tough for these two little girls, but they keep body and soul together to rise up from the ashes of poverty to follow their dreams, especially prayer. Go onto Google Earth and explore the majesty of the temple. Go into the temple itself and get a feel for this iconic building that sits at the very core of the Sikh religion. Go onto Wikipedia or any other information site and read about the history of the Harmindah Sahib, more commonly known to the world as the Golden Temple. Its background history is absorbing. But what I'm going to do now is read a clip of the story to whet your appetite. So, as I say every week, find yourself a comfy chair and sit back and listen. At the end of the podcast, I have a couple of questions for you to consider. So here's the story. Priya was born on the outskirts of a small farming village near Kaza in the Punjab region of India. She was born blind to destitute parents that lived a hand-to-mouth existence. Life was harsh for the village children as they would be expected to work to support the family. Being a girl, she held very little prestige in the community. Her blindness to some was seen as a disgrace on the family. Her brothers and sisters were older and worked in the fields after school and integrated into the community. But Priya, she was very often shunned. At three, she was left on the side of the road with a small bundle of clothes. The family crops they had recently sown had failed due to the prolonged drought. With no work, the family were left with no choice but to up sticks. The note that was pinned to Priya's sari read, Take care of our daughter, whoever you are. Nine years had passed since that fateful day and life of Priya had moved on. It was early in the morning and the beggars had already secured their pitchers for the day. The temperature for early summer 
was already at 38 degrees and the streets were thronging with worshippers and tourists heading to the temple complex. Amritsar is the centre of the Sikh religion and at its heart lies the Hamindas Sahib, known to the world as the Golden Temple. The temple came to the world's attention in 1984 when Indira Gandhi, the then Indian Prime Minister, gave orders for the temple to be stormed in an attempt to control Punjabi insurgents. That decision to invade the holiest Sikh temple resulted in her assassination on the 31st of October 1984 by two of her Sikh bodyguards in the grounds of the Prime Minister's gardens in the capital, New Delhi. Priya never forgot the day she was left by the roadside. She often recalled the days she sat there calling out to passers-by for help. But being a blind, impoverished girl from a low caste, she held little value back then in Indian society. She remembered the gentle hand of a young New Zealand backpacker lady picking her up and carrying her here to Amritsar. The orphanage door had been opened by a small group of children who, like herself, had been abandoned to the streets by their families. Each child had their own story to tell as to why they had been deserted. Poverty and family issues were the main underlying factors in most cases. The day was going to be busy. Her red embroidered bag was full of the tapestries she and her friends had made over the last few days. And with all the worshippers and tourists out on the streets, she was hoping to have a successful sales day. The door was open and most of the children from the orphanage had already left for the day. With her white stick in her right hand and her left hand on her best friend Nita's right shoulder, she headed on her way. Priya had known Nita for the last eight years and being of a similar age and background, they had learned to trust each other. They were more sisters than friends. Nita stopped. Why have we stopped, Nita? Standing on the step were two ladies in their late teens, beautifully dressed in blue and purple saris. At first she didn't recognise their voices or their names, and it was only when they handed her to touch and feel a battered old rag doll with its right eye missing did she start to wonder whether the two ladies standing there were her older sisters, Wisha and Mana. Taking a small step towards them, she reached to feel their faces. Her hands softly followed the curves and outlines of each sister's facial features. Mana handed her a small gold bracelet that had an inscription on the outside. Running her fingers over it, she immediately recognised it as it had the names of all three sisters nicely engraved. Their grandmother, on her birth, presented each of them with a gold bracelet bearing their names. She still had her bracelet in a drawer. The tears of emotion she had been fighting to hold back finally spilled over and poured down her cheeks. Her sisters had returned. It was mid-morning and the temperature had gone up to 40 degrees. 
the short walk via the back streets to the Golden Temple would take approximately 20 minutes. En route, Wisher explained they had, they had not forgotten her and had spent years trying to find her. Priya, it was a friend of ours who had come to visit the temple. You sold her one of your little tapestries. She saw your bracelet with our names on and she knew we had a blind sister called Priya, whom we were desperate to find. She took a picture of you on Instagram. We immediately recognised the bracelet and have been in Amritsa for the last few days searching for you around the temple. We showed numerous people the Instagram picture and yesterday afternoon a small group of children told us you worked as a volunteer in the soup kitchens. Last night we discreetly followed you home. Yes, that's right. Nisha and I go to the Langa every day. We wash the soup bowls that are left over from the thousands of visitors that pass through the doors each day. Our pay is a free meal. Well, I hope you found that short story interesting, that little teaser. But if you want to know how and why the story came about, then stay listening for a few more minutes. Priya was lucky, wasn't she? Her sisters returned nine years later to find her on the street. What they found, they were very surprised. They were looking for a blind, pathetic girl begging. But they saw a girl, powerful, feisty and determined to fight her way. A lot of the street kids in India aren't so fortunate. A lot of them just live on the streets until they probably die. It's a very tough life. The book, Smart Kids, with its 17 characters from all over the world, is directed at kids who have a passion to broaden their minds, to see how different children from dissimilar parts of the world go about their lives and the challenges they face on a daily basis. The general age range I had in mind was 8 to 12 stroke 13. Some of my stories, as I say, are geared more to the eight, nine-year-olds, while others are intended for the 12 to 13-year age range. But I don't make any judgments, as I am fully aware that every child has their own individual abilities, so I leave the choice to you guys. So why did I write the story? Well, I wrote the story as I wanted to highlight the plight of girls in certain parts of the world who struggle to survive in the society to which they are born to. Most of it's down to misguided historical judgments and prejudices. Unfortunately, in certain societies of Indian culture, girls are seen as low value, particularly if they come from a low-ranking family. Now, add a disability and that girl stands very little, if no hope, of making a life for herself. Many of them are either drowned at birth or simply abandoned. So the story was mainly written to highlight the plight of these girls. Girls that, if only they were given the same opportunities boys can, bring great value to the world, probably a lot more. 
Even as I wrote and prepared the podcast, I saw a news edit put out by the BBC about a young girl called Kuli Kuli, who was born in an Indian village with cerebral palsy. She was lucky to survive, as neighbours, having learnt of her birth, told her parents to throw her in the river. Instead of listening to their neighbours, her parents brought her to the UK. As she grew up in the UK, writing became her way of coping with her condition. Now, she writes poems for all of us to read and enjoy. How did the story come about? Well, in 2001 I went to India, and those astute ones among you that have been following all the podcasts will realise that in podcast one about my snow leopard girl from Nepal, I said I went there in the same year. Well, I visited both countries in that year. In fact, it was on the same trip. One of the things that immediately hits you about India is as you walk out of the airport terminal, which for me was the Indira Gandhi International Airport near New Delhi, the capital, is the noise, the hustle and bustle of the streets, and the smell of the alluring spices wafting in the air, as well as seeing people living on the streets. It takes time to adjust to this lively culture, a culture that is rich in all its diversities. India is a fascinating place to explore. So I say to you kids, if you have the opportunity to go, go. It's an eye-opening experience not to be missed. What struck me in particular, wherever I went, be that to the Red Fort in Delhi, the pink city of Jaipur, the Taj Mahal at Agra, or the Golden Temple at Amritsar, was the street kids that would surround you as you entered the various sites. They would come right up to you, virtually enclosing you in a bubble, each one of them waving whatever they had to sell in your face, be it an elephant toy or a picture of the site. Our Indian guide told us not to push them away or be rude to them. Yes, to you guys, they're annoying as you just want to get to the place over there. But you need to understand that these kids are trying to survive on the streets. What they make will probably get them a bowl of rice and a piece of naan bread, and whatever they have left over, they give to support their family. So please respect them. The street kids were particularly prevalent around the Taj Mahal in Agra and the Sikh Gola Temple in Amritsar. I suppose these two places were seen as rich pickings for them, as well as the pickpockets. It was outside the Golden Temple complex that I caught sight of a blind girl and her friend selling beautiful tapestries that they had made. I remembered that young girl and thought, how does she survive? How does she cope? with the entire goings-on around the streets. So I created a character to reflect on what that girl's life must be like. I even give a nod to 
Indra Gandhi, an inspiring woman from the famous Gandhi dynasty, who rose to become Prime Minister of India from January 1966 to March 1977, and again from January 1980 to her assassination in October. An assassination that was rumoured to be in retaliation for her decision to storm the Sikh Golden Temple. I briefly touch on Indira Gandhi for two reasons. One, Priya wants to be an inspiring political diplomat, championing the causes of girls. And secondly, the temple invasion that allegedly led to Indira Gandhi's assassination is now part of the Golden Temple's history. I was also inspired by the heroism of Malala Yousafzai, a young Pakistani girl from the Swat district of Pakistan, an area that fell under the rule of the Taliban, a hard-line fundamentalist regime that imposed extreme restrictions on the daily lives of people, in particular women and girls. In 2008, BBC Urdu journalists were looking for a young person to share their experiences on the Taliban's strict societal ways. Malala's father, despite the dangers, encouraged her to take up the assignment. So, at the age of 11, she began blogging in secret. She blogged for the BBC for several years. However, she was coming to the attention of the Taliban hierarchy, proposing the rules they imposed restricting her and other girls similar to herself from having the right to an education. At the age of 15, an assassination attempt was made on her life where the Taliban shot her in the head on her way home from school. She survived the attempt on her life, having been flown to the UK for life-saving surgery. Having attended Oxford University, she now transverses the world, championing the causes of girls, empowering them to follow their dreams. I make it very clear I didn't base the character of Priya on Malala, but she was very much lurking in the back of my mind as I created the character. Priya, as you will discover if you read the whole story, is a feisty, determined girl, setting out on a journey a journey that will inspire other girls who face insurmountable challenges to follow in her footsteps. Kids, I have a couple of questions for you. Firstly, how would you cope on the tough streets of the world if your life, your very existence, depended on your ability to compete for survival just to eat a humble, meagre meal? Secondly, like prayer, who had a clear view on what she wanted to do in her life. What are your dreams? It would be great to hear your answers, so get your parents to contact me on my social media platforms, or you can simply get them to email me on jtc0658 at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments. Kids, by the end of reading this story, you should have five stickers on your world maps that adorn your bedroom walls. The next one will be chilly. As I've already hinted, next week, we're off to Chile. Santiago, to be precise. It's here that we find Juan, 
my cheeky football character with his friend Jose, who meets David Beckham. Go onto the internet and see and read all about Santiago and the Andes, the mountain range that forms the spine of South America. And as I say at the end of each show, this is JT Crowley signing off. Wherever you are listening in the world, stay safe, but have fun, just like my characters. Thanks for listening to The Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out The Smart Kids by JT Crowley on Amazon.com now.